0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey there, we're live in, at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Carter, Mike, and Dan are getting ready for the show behind me, and here's what's coming up.
2: Tech stocks got taken out with the trade tantrum this week. And Dan Nathan says there's one stock reporting earnings next week that could make or break the market rally. He'll give us the details. Plus, Carter Worth and Mike Co. say there's one retail stock to buy that can weather the market volatility. Carter's on the charts and Mike is on the trade. And later. Bond King Jeffrey Gundlach just made a bold call on the markets. I think that it, interest rates are likely to go up. And he's got a way to make money using options. We'll break it all down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And let's get right
1: to it because, as you know, it was a wild week for the markets. and tech in particular, the sector falling more than 3%. It's worst week of the year as trade tensions are front and center. And Dan says... There's one tech stock reporting earnings next week that could make or break the market rally. Let's get into money. What are you looking at?
3: Yeah, clearly in technology, I think Cisco's earnings are gonna be really important. We just teased it a little bit. They report Wednesday after the close, and the options market is implying about a five percent move in either direction for that print, and that is rich to the three and a half percent average over the last four quarters. What's interesting to me about this um, earnings event next week is that when they reported in mid-February, they put up a stellar quarter and gave great guidance. And this was after we had just been about six weeks into this recovery off of that Q4 disaster. I think a lot of investors were very surprised about their execution and about their ability to give guidance in this period. And so, you know, I, I would tell all of you, go back and watch. Jim Cramer had this amazing interview with CEO Chuck Robbins. It was just a steady hand in what was still a difficult time. But now I flash forward a few months here and I think about what we just learned this week that there is going to be no quick resolution to this trade uh, skirmish we know that these tariffs are going to be around for a while, we know that technology is right in the middle of this thing, we know that Huawei one of Cisco's biggest competitors is kind of right in the middle of this thing and I think about Intel which you know what, this stock has gotten got this week. I, just want to, I want to put a one year chart up really quickly, it had a 10% gap the last week of uh, April when they gave their guidance, it was a And then they had another 10% gap at an analyst meeting this week after they guided down again. I think about Cisco. It's already 10% off of its... 52-week and almost 20-year highs, much like Intel was. And I think there's potentially another 10% gap back to that breakout level just below um, 50 bucks. I want to do one more chart. If you overlay Intel and Cisco against each other over the last 20 years, pretty interesting here. They are two of the only major mega cap tech stocks that have not made new highs. And we know the Nasdaq's been making new highs for some time. Intel just had that 20% drop. Cisco's down 10, maybe there's another 10 coming. One last point here, and this is not about the Cisco's execution. I think they will continue to execute well. The dollar's been strong. Look at that. In the last 10 years, this thing, its PE is getting right back up to those 10-year highs here at 17 and a half times. That is really rich for a company that's growing like this. So to me, it's kind of priced for perfection here. So the slightest bit of kind of murky guidance, I think this stock is going to outperform that uh, 5% implied move to the downside. So to me, I think this is a really simple trade here. You look to May expiration, that's next Friday, when the stock was trading at 53 and a quarter, you could buy the May 53.49 put spread, paying $1 for that, buying one of the May 53 puts for $1.20, selling one of the 49 puts um, at 20 cents. You break even down at 52, and you can make up to three between 53 um, and 49. Your max risk is less than 2%. So one week trade playing for a downside move of what I think, if it happens, could be, this is not an indictment about Cisco, okay? This is just got it. not good guidance. It's about
1: the charts. I mean, the, the, you know, I, the charts are setting up yeah. for something potentially yes. nasty. Yes.
4: Well, I, I think the charts, certainly. I think fundamentals as well. You know, you might ask yourself why in a name that's not necessarily overwhelmingly volatile is the options market implying a slightly larger than move. You can ask yourself this question. Is it because the options market thinks that it could either break out wildly to the upside, a 5% move for a company this size? Or are they actually pricing in the potential for some kind of a downward move? And I know that's the reason that you're looking at a put spread, because when you see the higher implied volatility and also the sense that that might be the direction that you're looking at, that's why you might use something like that to mitigate the expense. The thing you really want to think about is, you were just talking about valuation 17 and a half times forward. It's actually trading closer to 20 and a half times trailing 12-month earnings. That's basically a five-year high, right? So you have to ask yourself right now, is this thing either going to give you stellar guidance and results, Or are we basically trading at the upper end of its valuation range? And I think it's the latter.
5: I mean, I think the key thing here with Cisco is that the market we know, most stocks peaked on May 1st. This peaked prior by about six, eight sessions prior. And so while it's the same trajectory as the market, makes the low on Christmas Eve, rallies for the prior, ensuing uh, four months, the issue here is this is, uh, this is cyclicality within tech in a way. So the move from 40 to 57 is a 42% move. That's one of the bigger moves in tech. And this give back of almost 10% is bigger than most tech. So uh, you've got an earnings event, and that's what makes it exciting. Uh, the risk is that there's more downside than there is some sort of great recovery move after the print.
4: But there doesn't have to be that much risk because, you know, spending a buck on a put spread when the stock is 53, 54 bucks, you know, I mean, this is less than 2% of the current stock price. So even if you hold the stock, even if you like the stock long-term, but you're concerned about this particular Earnings result. This is also an effective way to yeah. hedge as well. And
3: I just want to make one other point. You know, obviously we had this massive reversal in the market today. Cisco trade really well. It closed up on the day, um, and I think we could get some momentum um, follow through into Monday. When you're targeting an earnings trade for a Wednesday close, you don't want to go in and put it on the first thing on Monday morning. You want to give this thing some time, and you want to get your strikes correct. So this is something that I will look to do early in the week, possibly when I think that this reversal is petered out a little bit.
1: You want to throw this in your pocket and feel like better with these yeah, guys. Yeah, I know. I don't hey, even know if come I. On can. <laughs> There we go. I mean, Never worn go ahead, a pocket square. Do it. It's okay if you do that. The Dow swinging 450 points to end the day up triple digits. Check out Walmart, the best performer in the index today and holding up this week in spite of the volatility. So is this the ultimate hideout trade, and how should you play it into earnings next week? Carter, you want to go to the plasma and break it down for us? See dubs?
5: So Walmart, of course, is within one of the sort of low beta. It's a staple, even though it's a general merchandise. And so while it doesn't have sort of the, the staple quality of a Coke or a Pepsi or a soap or cereal company, in many ways, because it traffics in those, because it's a grocery store, it is uh, very sort of low risk. Now, what I'm thinking is it's both an offensive and defensive play. First, Look at all of the underperformance. So if this entire decade, there's your O9 low, you would expect a sort of a sleepier super cap name that has limited growth to underperform. But the underperformance is pretty uh, pronounced. You're talking about this over the past decade versus that, 100, 300. Yet over the past year, watch what happens. It all flips around. Over the past 12 months... It's Walmart on top, and, and that's important as equities have been struggling for the past year and a half. We basically made no progress in the last 15, 16 months. Walmart is making progress, and so I think it's both offensive and defense. If markets are going to hire, Walmart participates, acted very well today, of course. And in the event of a great sell-off, Walmart in almost every other instance has held up relatively well. So um, with that, let's look at a few charts. It's all over the place. Uh, so hard to draw the lines, and yet I think the lines can be drawn this way. There's a lot of tension here. We're working into the apex, and the presumption is there's a resolution. Of course, uh, that's my bet. It does have uh, earnings coming up. Where could it go? At a minimum, change the top line. If we put this to the prior high, that's 106.21. We're right on the bottom. I think at a minimum, you make that move. That would be about four to. F- Five bucks from here and then ultimately with a little luck some backing and filling and then a real breakout but the trade objective here would be four or five dollars just to the prior high
1: okay what do you think
4: yeah so you know what's interesting i mean this isn't a name that we typically think of as being a high volatility stock and you know i think that's actually one of the points that carter is making here one of the things that I think is interesting, though, is that when this stock actually starts to make a move, it can make a fairly sharp one. Take a look, for example, of you know, the move that we saw last late October, early November, basically to the lows that we saw in December. That was fairly sharp. And then the recovery that we saw thereafter... So even though the intraday volatility is relatively low, over some period of time, call it four weeks, eight weeks, something like that, you actually can get fairly significant moves in the stock. The other thing I would say is that it's not overwhelmingly cheap. It's trading at about 20 times earnings. It's not a huge grower. So my inclination here was to keep the trade relatively simple. I was looking at the July 100 calls earlier today. They were trading about 375 when I was looking at them. Bear in mind, the stock actually traded very well from that point until the close. I think they actually traded well above four bucks, actually, by the end of the day. But, you know, that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking to spend around 4% of the stock price, maybe a little bit less. Give yourself some time for this to play out. I think that's the way you want to make a bullish bet. A week
3: bet in, this in
1: which, I'm sorry, a week in which Walmart got downgraded by, I can't remember the firm, but cut to
3: sell somewhere. Yeah, so I think Carter, you know, obviously the technicals it sets up It's a really constructive Maybe it's looking thing. Be it's a building a lot model. of steam, and the fact that it acts the way it does when you have that kind of negative sentiment, sort of downgrade, sort of thing, it, it does make sense. And today, the way the stock reversed, it makes you feel like this is kind of like that anti recessionary sort of trade. Now, granted, you know, Walmart will be in the buzzsaw of a trade war, right? When you think about how do we kind of pass through those uh, tariffs, they go back through to our consumers. But at the end of the day, this thing looks constructive. I think Mike's point about valuation makes sense. Just look at Costco, it also trades at a rich valuation and also trades really well. So I think you guys are onto something. And I like the defined risk for more than two months of less than 4% of the stock price.
5: And again, just keeping in mind the defensive part. I mean, if you were to, when Walmart dropped, On the peak in 07, to the lows of 09, 27%. Now, what did the S&P do? Dropped 50. I mean, in the event of great weakness for equities in general, definitionally, Walmart will outperform.
1: All right, we have more options action still ahead. Here is what's coming up next.
2: Options on TLT, the ETF, and on long-term treasury bonds has never been cheaper. The bond came out with a bold call on interest rates this week. We'll tell you exactly how to make money with the billionaire investor. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
1: Welcome back to Options Action Double Line. CEO Jeffrey Gunlock making a big call on interest rate volatility at the Sohn conference earlier this week. The billionaire bond investor saying he was a buyer of straddles in the TLT. I spoke to him on the halftime report. The pricing of options on TLT, the ETF, and on long-term treasury bonds has never been cheaper, ever. And is completely plausible that that volatility could double when people change their mind and it goes back to like its average would be kind of double where it is today so my idea was why don't we take advantage of that given the idea that i don't think rates can really stay here for a year at the long end so what exactly does the bet mean professor co at the plasma with a little options 101 mikey Yeah, when we hear Jeff Gundlach start talking about rates, it
4: would really be wise of us to listen. We can take a look now at the TLT. That was the ETF that he was referencing. It's the 20 year treasury bond ETF. So basically you can think about this as a proxy for doing a rate trade. As rates go down, you're going to see this rise and the opposite is going to also be true. So why don't we take a look specifically at what he was talking about which was the price of options. This is a five-year history of the price of three-month at-the-money implied volatility in TLT. And of course, again, we can think about this as a proxy for the price of options on rates. And as he was pointing out, we're basically at all-time lows here. If we took this chart back even further, this essentially is about as low as you're going to get. Why is that? Well, we also heard him mention that part of it is because rates actually have kind of stabilized volatility hasn't been moving around that much but again we're at a situation here where really can't get much lower than this so it either stays here which would already be asking quite a lot because we've had a very low volatility environment for quite a period or it could rise he then said that he was talking about putting on a straddle what does that mean so in tlt in this case i'm just looking out to august i was looking at the one twenty five strike which was essentially at the money at the time you could spend about two dollars and thirty cents to buy the put two dollars and thirty cents to buy the call put those together you're spending about four dollars and sixty cents approximately four percent slightly less maybe than the current level of TLT how could a trade like this potentially make money well obviously if it goes much higher it has to rise by about four percent you're gonna make money at expiration or lower by a comparable amount at expiration you're gonna make money but there are other ways you can make money in this as well one of them is that Even if TLT just starts doing more of this, starts bouncing around a little bit more, even within this range, what's going to happen? Implied volatility, the price of options is going to go up. That's going to elevate the value of this straddle. Even though decay, time is going to be taking a little bit away, you're going to get some offset there. So I think that's one thing you could certainly do. Another possibility is that he's sort of hedging his trades dynamically, but this is a trade that makes a great deal of sense to me. When you are looking at something that essentially is trading at the lowest price you've ever seen, and there is a functional floor to how low it can go, it does make sense to thin- think about buying it there, because you, you know, may lose or risk very little to potentially make a
3: lot. Danny, what do you think of this trade? So it's really interesting. We've been doing this show, Options Action, for ten years, and I can probably count on one hand how many times that Mike or I have said, "Oh, we think you should buy a straddle in something." What Jeffrey Gonlock has suggested to the world is really interesting because most people didn't understand it until the professor just broke it down right there. Uh, This is the cheapest vol on the board anywhere and when you think about it I have a sneaking suspicion that gunlock actually probably has a directional view of where rates are going and when you look at the TLT and you look over that period of time where Mike just showed that unfoled volatility is at these multi-year lows the TLT when the 10-year treasury bond was at one and a half percent in 2016 was at 145 right now it's at 126 and then when we just had rates at a multi-year high the ten-year at three and a quarter it was at 112 so you think about where we are right here that vol trade makes so much sense, but if you have a directional inclination, you are going to buy that put or that call, and it's half, you know what I mean? Like So it's basically half the
4: value of that strategy. You know, one thing I would quickly say, Jeff isn't here to talk about it, and he's the bond math guy, so there is a little bit of bond math in this. But when you take a look at stocks, as they steadily climb higher, you often see volatility come in. Here's the thing, though. With bonds, what do, you, what do you see when rates get very low? Convexity actually increases. So that convexity describes the relationship between the price of rates and the price of the bond. So we're in a situation right now where I think theoretically, as well as just taking a look at the historical numbers, this ball looks awfully, awfully cheap.
5: I mean, it's just independent of the volatility. What we do know is every year to start the year, consensus is that rates will go higher. And every year for the past... Count them up. Rates don't go higher. So in the beginning of this year, consensus was we were at 3.1% on the 10-year. Instead, we hit 2.35 in March. The consensus has now been ratcheted down to 2.65. Just from my seat, I think we're going down to two. uh, And I think that um, you want to be buying long-dated treasuries.
1: I think we're going down to two.
4: Well, if it goes down to two, then you would only want to own, essentially, the call side of this trade. So depending on whether you have a view on that at home, I do not. I'll leave that to smarter people than I. But I I will say that the options are very cheap. So your directional bets are exceptionally cheap, and options are definitely the way to play them here. Okay,
1: coming up, small caps teetering on the edge of correction territory down nearly 10% from their highs. We'll tell you what's next for that group. Plus, if you have a question for us, send us a tweet at Options Action. If it's a good one try and answer it later in the show. We're live at the NASDAQ and Times Square. More options action is still ahead.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at our open trades. Last month, Cohen Carter said small caps could play catch-up to the rally.
5: Look what's happened. It's made no progress relative. But what I'm thinking here is that you've got something of a bottom on the relative that's going to hold. And then the bet would be that we break out both relative and absolute from that setup. I
4: was simply looking out to the June 157 calls when I was looking at those earlier today. Those would cost $4.80. All
1: right, well, the Russell 2000 down more than 2% this week. CB?
5: Right, so over the past month, that was a month ago, up a bit, down a bit, kind of back to where we started. And I would say at this point, the trade, the opportunities, is the, it's, there's no good, right? It, we didn't lose, we didn't make any money. I would just walk away, not, not stay in it.
4: Yeah, you know, I think this is a situation where we should we talk about trade management. This is certainly one of those cases. Why is that? Because we own the 157 call. IWM actually got up above, I think, just a hair above 160. In fact, you know, before we saw this week's sell-off, actually, this trade was, was making money. So if you had it on, you know, we talk about this very often. You know, you either want to take a look at when you, those long options get in the money, rolling them out possibly or spreading which is something that Dan talks about all the time sell a higher strike call against it to mitigate the cost and then if it comes back in you've at least taken some of the money off the table but if the view now is that there isn't a whole lot of upside to the Russell between now and June expiration then you wouldn't have much of a reason to right. hang on to this trade at this
3: yeah point. and I would just mention that you know um you know, the Russell's basically since mid February, early February traded between 150 and 160 in a tight range. It's still seven, eight percent from its all-time highs. We know that all the other major indices have uh, at least matched those highs. I do agree with the idea of a catch-up at some point, especially if it stays in this range. It's really hard to do it being long, three, four dollar near the money calls, right? And so you're going to have to actually pick your spots pretty well. And
5: it will, in principle, if the if the real beating comes in the Cisco-type names, the high-flying tech names, okay. definitionally by default, this will hold up better with its heavy uh, bank uh, constituents. But still, the opportunity was there. A month later, it's not. I would say you just walk.
1: Okay. Up next, we're taking your tweets, and we'll do the final call. All right, welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first fan says, "I'm long the May SPY 285 calls. Should I take profits?" Michael,
4: you know what? You can sort of split the baby on this one. Why don't you consider rolling those and taking some of the money off the table? The 288 and a half calls are about two and a half bucks, and the ones you own are five, so you could take half the money off the table and still preserve some upside.
1: Okay. Don't Our next... split any babies, people. <laughs> Our next fan, Jeff, says, "With volatility high, what's the best way to play an
3: AMD put spread?" Danny. So here's the thing. Um, you know, it depends whether you're bearish or bullish. If you're bullish on AMD, then you want to sell a put spread. That's a great way to take advantage of high implied volatility. If you're bearish, you could actually sell a call spread. Um, that's one way to also do it. But this stock has showed tremendous relative strength uh, versus Intel, which we just talked about in the earlier show. That's been down 20 percent in the last month. Or so. All right. Can we do a final call? What do you think? Yeah,
5: Carter, kick us it. off. CB dubs. Some Walmart. C-Bear on dubs. The, Walmart on the long side. WMT.
1: Mikey.
4: Happy birthday to my mom today. Oh, and nice!
3: Buy some straddles. Happy birthday, mom!
1: All right, good. So happy Mother's Day too in advance yeah. to all the moms
3: out there. What yeah. you got for me, Danny? Yeah, Happy Mother's Day to my mom and my wife. Hey, uh, Cisco Systems. I, I mean, again, I, I just think that bad guidance you're going to have this thing down at least five, maybe ten percent. We're going to be
1: an interesting week next yeah, week be, huh? between that and. Trade. Who knows what's going to happen? Interesting to see Uber next week as well. It'll be a big week. That does it for us here on Options Action. Have a great weekend. Catch us back here Friday, 530. Don't go anywhere because Mad Money with my man Kramer starts right now.